Well, good morning to each of you. We, uh, we join together in our worship today, and uh, pointedly, uh, we uh, dive in, continuing our study of the uh, minor prophets. We are learning that the, that the minor prophets have uh, much to say to us. There's nothing at all minor about the minor prophets. Uh, they come forward uh, offering the word of the Lord in a very major way. So we dive in today, uh, reading from the uh, prophet Joel. Uh, we'll be reading from the second chapter, uh, verse 13, and then we'll uh, move to uh, some familiar words, um, words that are quoted uh, at uh, the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. We, we, we then uh, move to verses 28 through 32. So today, Joel 2, verse 13, and then verses 28 through 32. Let's hear this from God's Word. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the, blood, and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So this is God's word. And may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we uh, make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word, may God bless each and every one of us. Well, they have uh, come and gone, sort of. Uh, the 17-year locusts, as they are sometimes known, have made themselves uh, very much a part of life here over the past month or so, and they have been uh, loud, as they always are whenever they appear. Uh, the 17-year locusts are really cicadas. Locusts are more like uh, flying grasshoppers and are apt to eat uh, anything and everything in their path. Cicadas, on the other hand, present themselves every 17 years like clockwork. They emerge from the ground, they shed their skin, they uh, begin to mate, and they do so all with a loud roar. I remember 17 years ago, and I remember it was 17 years ago because it was at the last outbreak of the 17-year uh, cicadas. They were in full bloom. It was an outdoor wedding, beautiful setting, beautiful day. Everything was wonderful except the cicadas were out in full, full glory. They were so loud, I felt like I was speaking with a bucket on my head. I've never forgotten that wedding. I, uh, I know that... Um, the bride and groom were quite surprised when uh, they had made all their arrangements, probably a year in advance, only to arrive to their big weekend and found that the cicadas were going strong. Locusts, as we mentioned a second ago, are much more destructive. They pretty much eat 
everything in sight. Worldwide, swarms of, uh, of locusts are, uh, are not uncommon today, and they provide tremendous destruction. They can wipe out entire uh, crops in just a few days, leaving behind uh, those who are affected. They, uh, they can bring folk to where they literally have no food and, and begin to, to be deeply food-deprived. An invasion of locusts provides the backdrop of what goes on in the, the book of Joel. We, we study that today, and we, we learn about that context in Joel chapter 1. Joel was one of the, the earlier prophets. He uh, more than likely prophesied in and around the 9th century B.C. We know very little about Joel except for uh, the name of his father. We do know that uh, Joel prophesied during a, a, a severe plague of, of locusts. In fact, some have called uh, uh, Joel the prophet of the flying bugs. I guess you've got to be known for something. The impact of the locusts in Joel's day was quite severe. They wiped out all the crops, and because all the crops were wiped out, no one had food, animals and people included. The need was tremendous. People were starving. It was a terrible calamity. Enter the prophet Joel. He likened uh, the the, the locust to that of an invading army. To Joel, the, the, the locusts were like an army invasion. There were so many. The number of, uh, of cicadas just recently that have been reported in our own region have been in the, the, the billions, and the invasion of locusts back in Joel's day was probably no different. Joel saw the calamity caused by the locust as a harbinger of what was to come. Joel talked about a, a day that was yet to come when the Lord would judge his people. He called it the day of the Lord. The phrase the day of the Lord was first mentioned by Joel and then was repeated often by the prophets who followed him. Jesus himself uh, refers to the day of the Lord in Matthew 24. Peter does so in Acts 2 as he preaches on the day of uh, Pentecost. In fact, he quotes directly from Joel, the second chapter. John, of course, lifts up the day of the Lord throughout the entire book of Revelation. The day of the Lord is that uh, day when the Lord offers sure and swift judgment upon those who choose not to follow him. Calamities give us pause. They, they cause us to think. We wonder if, if God might be trying to, to say something to us. We, we ask ourselves, what are we learning in the mix of those calamities and challenges that so often befall us? And even after the fact, we will ask ourselves, what have we learned? Who of us, even for a second, thought about such things during the, the recent pandemic? Could it be, maybe, just possibly, that God might be judging us? When disaster strikes, we, we consider what God might be trying to say. When the unexpected comes and disrupts the very things that bring us security and comfort, 
we find ourselves at a crossroads. We can either freak out in the mix of those calamities and, and figure that, that all is lost, or we can be drawn to a more faithful relationship with our God. That's the crossroads that we find ourselves in, in such circumstances as the calamities that so often befall us. The warning uh, Joel offers against the backdrop of those voracious uh, locusts was a call to return to the Lord. He spoke of judgment, sure, but he also offered a call to return to the Lord. You know, one thing about disaster, at least the Lord gets our attention. In this short book of, of three chapters, and yeah, it's just three chapters, it gives you plenty of opportunity here this afternoon to read from the very beginning to the end of the prophet Joel. Joel turns uh, in this great book from the destruction caused by the locusts to the blessings offered to those who seek the ways of the Lord. Joel goes from warning to hope and does so on the highway that is paved with mercy and grace. In Joel chapter 2, the prophet Joel uh, launches into a discussion about repentance. And it need not be lost on every one of us. Launches into a, a discussion about repentance. He states, rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in, in love, and he relents from sending calamity. We have talked about repentance on many occasions, and it's important that we, we do so. Repentance forms uh, the, the very fabric of uh, the beginnings of our relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ, and it is repentance that, that keeps those relationships strong. Repentance is, a, is, is vital to a, to a vibrant spiritual life. Evidently, effectively, repentance is, uh, is a, a spiritual about-face. Repentance is a, a U-turn, if you will, when it comes to changing the direction of our lives. Where once we were headed in one direction, away from God, when we repent, we make that conscious decision to make that about-face, that, 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 that U-turn, if you will, and make our way toward God. And God is all about such U-turns, that we would find ourselves heading His direction instead of moving away from Him. I've heard it said that uh, repentance is a posture, and I like that. Repentance is a posture. It's the, the sort of disposition of the, of the heart where we come before God contrite and humbled over the things that we have done. We, we want to do things differently, and we seek God's help in order to do those things, again, differently. We can all be thankful that, that God stands ready to, to help us through uh, that struggle of, uh, of, of a contrite heart. 
of really coming before God with a, with a sincere desire to, to repent of the very things that, that are wrong about our lives. We seek the, the power of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and what Christ does on the cross. We seek God in the power that He offers through His Holy Spirit. And in that Holy Spirit, we find our lives being transformed in wonderful, powerful, and miraculous ways. I love uh, this illustration. You, you, you see it here. It, uh, it, it has the progression of, uh, of a contrite and repentant heart where prayer is then, then followed by, by deep contrition where we are actually sorrowful for the very things that have uh, taken place in our lives, those things that, that have in fact separated us from God, those very things that are unbecoming those who call themselves followers of Christ. Prayer, contrition, and then followed by jubilation, thankful that God has, has acted through Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit to once and for all bring forgiveness and the offer of new life. You know, I think when it, when it comes to this progression of repentance, that we, uh, we miss the contrition thing. There, there's not much sorrow over, over sin these days. There was a time in Methodism when there was a mourner's bench where people would come in the context of worship to, uh, to mourn the very things that they had done, those things that were unbecoming a follower of Christ. I've always been taken by the prayer of humble access that is a part of one of our communion liturgies. I had a fellow years ago that, that told me that um, the one thing that we need to be doing all the time is praying this prayer of humble access. He knows that, that, that in it was that sort of contrition that all of us need when we come before the Lord asking for forgiveness, when we come before the Lord, when we, uh, we seek Him in His presence at His table. Hear, uh, hear this great prayer. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose property is, is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to partake of this sacrament that we might walk in newness of life, may grow into his likeness, and, and may evermore dwell in him and he in us. We are not so much worthy as to gather up the crumbs under your table. The good news for today is that Jesus opens the door to forgiveness. We may not be worthy, but Jesus provides the way to forgiveness. And the sort of freedom that, uh, that, the, that the guilt that we have over the things that we've done no longer has sway. Jesus offers a whole new way of life. And on top of that, the, the Holy Spirit empowers us to stay close to God and to live faithfully to Him. Joel puts it this way, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel knew that God's spirit brings new life. Peter recognized that as he preached at at Pentecost. As we know, the Spirit moved at at Pentecost in, in powerful ways. And Peter knew that the power of the Holy Spirit was nothing less than the fulfillment, the fulfillment of what Joel had talked about centuries before. God was moving in powerful ways to change the lives of those who had gathered there at Pentecost. And God's Spirit continues to move powerfully for those who gather, for those who seek the Lord, even seek the Lord contritely. And in seeking the Lord and His forgiveness for our lives, we are then able to know distinctly the power of God not only to bring forgiveness, but to help us to live in the newness of life that that forgiveness brings. Power was given at Pentecost so that those who had gathered could could honor God in new ways. Power was given so that they could could look ahead with fear. Power was given so that they, they could now strike out and lift up the good news about Jesus Christ and could do so in all power and with all due effect. Power is given so that they could could live as God wanted them to live. And so today that same power is given to you and me. Power to, to honor God, to move through this life without fear, to even strike out and to lift up the good news about Jesus and to know that good fruit will be born. Power is, is given to, to you and me as we live lives in that same power as God would have them to be lived. God's Spirit continues to move even to this day. So the, the, the cicadas that we, uh, we talked about a few uh, minutes ago are really quite predictable. Can you believe that? Every 17 years, not 16, uh, not 18, uh, 17 years, and it's all around uh, the end of May. They, they pop out of the ground. They, they do their thing. They're loud as all get out. They're all so predictable. The other, other calamities of life are really not so predictable. We never really know what might be around the corner, the challenges of life are hard to predict. Sometimes we borrow trouble, and the things that we think will be challenging never end up being that way, and then something comes along and, and surprises us. None of us wish such things upon our lives, nor do we go looking for them. But yet we, uh, we seek in the mix of the flow of life, however it might move, to hold fast to the Lord, and his power for our lives, even to, to turn and to, to, to repent and to, to draw closer to him. When those calamities do come, let's consider what the Lord might be doing with us. Let's consider how the Lord might be leading us. 
let's consider how he might actually be calling us to repent. Think of that. To actually turn from the, the, the very things that we're doing that are, in fact, unbecoming those who are followers of Christ. So then, let's rend our hearts and lay ourselves before him. And by so doing, may we experience the, the, the very power of God to redeem us and to make us whole. All in the good news that is ours in Jesus. All in the power of the Spirit that is that very present reality of God speaking and leaning into our lives. And in all of that, may we find ourselves rejoicing in the blessings of God as we are, in fact, drawn closer to Him. As Joel puts it, and later as Paul puts it, for everyone who calls upon His name, they will be saved. So let's call upon the name of our Lord. Let's offer ourselves to God. Let's uh, bow before Him. And in bowing before Him, may we find ourselves at the right posture of repentance, of turning toward Him so that we might know of Him fully. You know, that great hymn, Just As I Am, is a favorite uh, sung by the church. Just As I Am was sung at, at every Billy Graham crusade that probably was ever, ever held. It, it's been sung at uh, countless revivals. It is sung by the faithful as a reminder that we are to present ourselves to God in humble contrition. And as we do, he takes us just as we are and seeks to mold us and to shape us and to make us new, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou didst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Let's pray together. And God, we do... Uh, seek to come to you and to know of you and your deep power for our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the, the opportunity that you give us to say we're sorry, to turn from the ways that, that lead us away from you. We thank you, Lord, that you receive us just as we are and that you seek to mold and shape our lives to a deeper likeness of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you do with us what you will just now. We pray that we are awake and alert to the movement of your Spirit. In fact, the power of your Spirit to awaken us to who you want us to be. Lord, thank you for sending your Spirit and thank you, Lord, for this uh, centuries-old prophecy of your Spirit coming, even in the mix of challenge and calamity, to awaken us to the new life that is ours through you, your deep and abiding love that is paved with mercy and grace. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord, for claiming us as your own. 
this prayer we make in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord, trusting in the power of that name for today's world.